Welcome to Chick Chat with Unapologetically Karen, the podcast for women by women. I'm Karen Webb, architect, author, entrepreneur, creative junkie, and your host. Chick Chat is your resource for building your big, bold, and beautiful feminine life. So join me for some eye-opening and jaw-dropping dialogue that has people talking. Welcome back to Chick Chat, everybody. Today's guest is Joanne Mallon. She is one of the UK's most experienced life and career coaches and the author of several self-help books, including Change Your Life in Five Minutes a Day and How to Find Joy in Five Minutes a Day. Her most recent book is How to Find Calm in Five Minutes a Day. She features in the media regularly and is known for her friendly, practical, down-to-earth approach. Joanne also hosts the popular well-being podcast, Five Minutes to Change Your Life. Welcome. Nice to have you here, Joanne. Lovely to be here, Karen. How nice to talk to you from all the way across the world. I know. Isn't that great that we get to do that now? Years I, ago. I love it. I mean, it, it was a thing. It was new for me um, when I was coaching during COVID times because, you know, we went from Zoom nobody had heard of and suddenly everybody wanted to do Zoom. And so I had to switch because I had been coaching people either face to face or on the telephone. I did a lot of oh, really? telephone, which is mm-hmm. kind of like being in a, in a confessional because you just hear a person's voice. <laughs> uh, but suddenly everybody wanted to do Zoom. And I was a bit reluctant, but actually now I love it. And, and I have um, coaching clients all around the world. And it's like they're in the next room. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's, oh, absolutely. it's like this when we're talking. It's wonderful. It is. And you know, it's so true. I mean, the, the one good thing, because COVID was a disaster, but the one good thing is it changed so many industries. It really does. Um, yeah, all of a sudden we got rid of a lot of distance because of it. So that is nice. Yeah, just to be able to reach you all the way in the UK at this moment. And I'm seeing you on screen here. And just so the listeners know, like absolutely clear as day, happy, smiling face. That is you. <laughs> so <laughs> so let's dive in. How did you get into coaching? How did you get into life coaching and or career coaching? What led you there? Well, I had been working in television. I'd been a television producer for a number of years, really working in quite terrible television. I mean, none of the good Mm. stuff. I think had I been making wonderful groundbreaking documentaries, I might have stayed doing that. But no, I I was doing the kind of daytime chewing gum kind of uh, (laughs) programs where it just felt like a bit of a sausage factory, if you know what I mean? Like you're just constantly, you're you're making something and it goes out and then you make the next thing and that goes out again. And I was becoming increasingly dissatisfied with that. I thought this is not really where I want to put my life energy and my creativity. It, it just didn't feel like I, it was really making much difference in people's lives. It was just like a, a thing in the background. And at the time, because this is going back 20 plus years, so I've been coaching for a long time. Coaching was starting to become a, a bit of a noise in, in the media in the UK. It had started in America and suddenly it was being talked about in magazines, newspapers, this this new thing called life coaching. And nobody really knew what it was. It was kind of like, you know, with personal trainers, at one point, you would only have heard of a personal trainer with maybe a film star 
using one. It certainly wouldn't be a thing for right. us ordinary mortals. Whereas, you know, nowadays you could you may have worked with a personal trainer. You probably could find one if you wanted to. You certainly will know someone who has. Coaching has been a bit like that. You know, it's got, gone from being a thing that was way out there to mm-hmm. now. I think quite a lot of us, if you haven't worked with a coach, you will know somebody who has. So for me, I was looking for something new and I just felt really drawn to this coaching thing that I kept reading about and I thought well I'll just I'll, I'll give it a go so I went and did did a course did um accredited life coaching course worked with that for a few years and then kind of pivoted more into the career coaching end of things and where I've ended up is right now I mostly do career coaching for people who work in media so really it's the kind of it's the tv people who are where I was and I think they like that um, I'm somebody who speaks their language because the media is a a difficult industry to navigate so many people are freelancers and they don't have the kind of career structure that that you would expect so that's kind of my niche within coaching is people who work in media so that would be writers journalists tv producers broadcasters all Mm -hmm. all of those kind Mm -hmm. of people and then alongside that I also write um, well-being books I guess they would be more of a life coaching type of thing because they're all about changing your your life Um, and as you mentioned I've got the podcast as well five minutes to change your life so a a lot of my stuff seems to Mm -hmm. center around making small changes that make a big difference right absolutely oh that's good though yeah and now tell me first off you mentioned that you know yeah life coaching kind of took off years ago why do you think it did do you think there's a reason we we saw that you know kind of take off and skyrocket at a certain time? Oh, that's such a good question, Karen. I've, I've not really thought about it too much. I guess people were starting to want more, to, to mm-hmm. think more deeply about where their lives were going. And I think they were maybe seeing that um, you can't always make the changes that you want by yourself. Mm-hmm. And obviously coaching is very different to therapy because therapy tends to focus on the past and it's about dealing with your stuff from before and therapy and counseling can be wonderful fantastic really really helpful for many many people but it's not right for absolutely everybody and I think where coaching comes in is it's for those people who you know they've maybe dealt with their past stuff or they're okay with it they don't feel they want to go into that too much but they want to think about their future and where their life is going, where they'll be in five, ten years' time. Mm-hmm. Do That's they a, want to make a change? Like the, kind of the, the, yeah. the, the normal reason why somebody would come to a life coach or a career coach is there's a change that they want to make in their life. If everything's right. going along absolutely fine, they'll just carry on with it going fine. But, you know, everybody that I see, they've got a change they want to make. Right. They want more or they want, yeah, they've got that that itch for something different. Um, that makes sense. That's a great way to distinguish, right, between therapy and coaching. I think you're right. It does, one deals with the past and sorting through your issues. And the other one is, what's your strategy for for going forward? Um, that's fantastic. So tell me a little bit about the books you've written. I know we've, um, you mentioned a few of them, and I did as well. Which ones do you think have had the biggest impact? Which one do you sort of find the most helpful for people? I found, um, well, there's, there's two really. There's, there's one, one of the first books I did about 10 years ago is called How to Overcome Fear of Driving. And it was simply came from a very personal place in that I had a dreadful phobia of driving 
for a number of years and I, I got through it and I'm you know quite happy confident driver now and I just I always wish there was a book about it and it's that thing of yeah you've, you've got to be the change that you want to see in the world you know if there if there's a thing that doesn't exist in the world maybe that's the message that you you're the person you know if you're waiting for some guy to make a thing happen maybe you're the guy you know right so I so I wrote so I wrote this book about fear of driving and even though it came out over 10 years ago, I still get messages from people all around the world thanking me for the book and saying that it has really helped them to feel less alone. Because being scared to drive is not something that people talk about very much. It's, it's, you know, you, you kind of yeah. you hear more about fear of spiders or fear of flying or whatever. Fear of driving, you know, it's not really something that's talked about a lot, even though it's um, studies have shown that it's one of the biggest fears that, that one of the most common fears that people can have. I mean, I certainly found when I was doing the book that maybe up to one in three people would wow. have some degree of anxiety around driving. So I just, I get lot, I got lots and lots of messages from people all around the world saying thank you and that they are back out confidently driving again because it's really, it's not about the act of driving a car. It's about moving away from having your life controlled by fear. So that's what that's what that book has helped people do. So I'm really, really proud of that. And then then the the other one I think that had quite a big impact recently was I did a book uh, a couple of years ago called How to Find Joy in Five Minutes a Day. And that came out just at the end of the pandemic, just at the end of the final lockdown. That, nice that timing. Had. And yeah, oh, good people timing. were so, so ready for some joy. They really, really were. And uh, really got into it. And it's just, it's it's gone on and on and on and, and sold. Because of my books, um, they're very nicely designed. The company that makes them kind of creates gift books. So they often go into not just bookstores, but maybe like, drugstores we have one in the uk called boots which is the the big um sort of um drug drugstore kind of kind of place that doesn't actually normally stock books it stocks like five books but one of them happens to be my book about joy um and i love that i love that you know it kind of they go into lifestyle stores and they just they get to people who maybe wouldn't necessarily pick up um a book about well-being um, right I, th- I think very often people assume that if a book looks pretty, the content is maybe not going to be um, all that deep. But I really work hard to put good stuff in in the book. And as, as you mentioned, the most recent book is How to Find Calm in Five Minutes a Day. And that's had a really good reaction because I think we just, it's such a busy world. It is such a busy world. Couldn't we all do with a bit more calm and peace Oh, absolutely. It? I know. I think you're right because I think that, and, and it's interesting because the timing of your books has seemed so perfectly relevant, you know, like, of course, the, the one about finding joy right after COVID. Absolutely. Everybody was in need of that. And I think you're absolutely right. Right now we have so many distractions. It is overwhelming and almost paralyzing, you know, between social media, the internet, our phones, we are never away from distraction. Um, yeah, it can be a little debilitating. So I think, I think you're right. I think everyone's looking for a sense of calm. Uh, absolutely. That's really great. I love though. I love that you did. I did not know you did the book on the fear of driving and, I, I don't have that fear, thankfully, but I know so many people that do and so many people that 
consistently live with it. You know, I've even heard of several young people that are, you know, like 20 that are afraid to drive on the freeway, like they in, in the United States, they just won't do it. And they'll find any other roundabout way. And it's crazy to me that people really do have that fear. That must be so helpful for them because, I mean, at least in the United States, for most of it, you really can't not drive. You, you have to drive. I mean, there's we don't have the, the kind of public transportation in all of our states that, you know, that we that somebody who didn't drive could could deal with. Yeah, that's a great idea. Interesting. So, and now you're fine driving. You've gotten over that completely. I'm fine. I mean, it's been a lucky thing in the last couple of years because my children have both gone to college. And of course that involves driving their stuff yes. many miles away. And then, and then a few months later, driving all their stuff back yes. again. So now I actually, I really enjoy it. Um, I have one, actually one, one of the tips that, that's in that book is um, talking about the power of music to lift your mood and put yourself in a happier place as you drive. So I have my driving playlist that's full of nice. happy, upbeat yes. bangers, you know. <laughs> all, all, it, it, I, I kind of audition songs and I, I listen to them and I'm listening for the happy, joyous sort of ones, but I only listen to that when I'm in the car and I'm driving. So I kind of associate the, the, the one right. um, with, with the other. Um, and it's it's so helpful to to get yourself there. But I would say to if there's any, I'm, I'm, I can guarantee you, Karen, there will be somebody listening to this oh, who yeah. will be shocked that we're t- who will f- be somebody who's scared of driving. So incredibly common amongst women, more more so than men. Mm-hmm. Men can experience it, but it's it's way more common amongst women. And I think to that person who's listening, who you know is surprised maybe because people don't talk about it and they think that it's just them who is scared about driving. I would just like to offer them some hope. I mean, I couldn't even look at a car when I was at my worst and now I'm quite happily um, you wow. know, going up and down the, the motorways. And I would say to any, anybody who's feeling this, if you can go and just sit in a car, not even to drive at all, but literally to physically sit in that driver's seat and to feel whatever fear, whatever anxiety you are feeling, but stay there long enough until it dissipates. And maybe you sit there and you listen to some of your favorite music or you listen to a positive podcast or some comedy or whatever it is to take you all the way through that anxiety and out the other end where you can start to feel calm. That is you started on the path to feel happy and confident driving again don't force yourself to get in that car and and, you know drive to the store and back again just literally sit in the seat feel your feelings for five minutes ten minutes however long get up leave the next day get in and and do it again yeah fantastic advice I love that Um, and I think you're right somebody listening is probably going oh my goodness wow the light the light bulb just went on so now let's get into the the calm so what tell us a little bit like you know the five minutes of calm what are some of your strategies or tips how does um and I love the discussion and I read your book about um the mornings so go ahead and kind of share with us well, I mean, I think a big principle to take from that book is that it's very rare to just be naturally calm because we're not living in a calm world, as you said. So it is something that you have to work at. You know, I, t- I talk in it about um, finding calm, finding peace in your life. Now, I'm originally from Northern Ireland, so obviously finding peace, we know an awful lot about that. We know that it's difficult to find peace. And once you've found it, it's not necessarily going to stay. It is something that you have to have to work at. So for anybody who's wanting to become 
calmer and you mentioned mornings I think mornings are particularly important in in the book it's structured through a day in your life so it starts off mornings daytimes evenings and then stuff for the future the thing the thing about mornings is um that there's a thing thing called uh, called a heightened levels of cortisol but basically the way our bodies work is we we wake up with higher levels of cortisol, which is the stress hormone mm-hmm. for about the first hour of the day. And our bodies have developed because, you know, they want to wake up and be aware mm-hmm. of, what, of mm-hmm. what's going what's going on. So actually, many people will experience that as morning anxiety. It's incredibly common to feel anxious first thing in the morning. So I would just really pay attention to how you spend that first hour of your day. If you're somebody who wakes up, grabs your phone first thing, looks at your phone before you look at your partner. That's a biggie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Chugs, chugs down the biggest mug of coffee. You know, that, that is not a recipe for a calm start to your day. So, I mean, what, one of the most helpful things I've done is just putting my phone in a different room to charge. So it doesn't charge by my bed anymore. It's in a completely different room. Mm-hmm. I cannot lift it up to look at, even if I wanted to, I have to get up and go and go and find it. I'm, I I tend to um, at the moment I'm doing you, you know yoga with Adrian, the famous yes um, yoga channel on YouTube. So I'm doing her 30 day challenge at the moment, which is 20 minutes of yoga every day. So get up and, and do that. But really, you know, if you haven't got 20 minutes in the world, which probably most people haven't, even just 30 seconds deep breathing physically stretching maybe looking out the window just uh, engaging with nature is is a a brilliant thing to do to just get yourself calm and level if you can step outside do but if you can't step outside just look outside you know just rather than looking at your phone first thing Mm -hmm, look mm -hmm. out the window just consider what the clouds are doing today what's the weather like just simple um something something like that will just help you to feel more level and certainly much more than going straight into your phone and scrolling through all the the, the doom that's, that's right. in there you, yeah you won't the, find peace in your phone you're right that is the perfect word there's just doom it feels like you've got to get to look at those emails because there's some impending doom and you want to make sure you know what it is i think it's so interesting that it about that um, and the higher levels of cortisol, it would be so amazing to look at a brain scan of the person who woke up and looked at their phone, right? And the person who woke up, looked outside, like you just described, you know, watch the clouds for a moment. Yeah, that would be amazing. I need to look and see if there is such a thing, but um, what a difference. So now do you um, think it helps people or not to be sort of list driven, you know, to make their lists for the day or to kind of, um, you know, tackle the day with a lot of items on your to-do list? Does that affect the calm? Does it help you to have that list and feel that calm or is it, does it work against you? I think it depends on who you are as a person and also what kind of list that you're Mm -hmm. making. You Mm -hmm. know, if you're writing on your list, Get fit, eat healthy. Oh boy! Whole, you know it's, it's not going to happen, is it? Um, so, I, I, if you if you if you know that you're a list maker, if you know that lists help, I know lists help me. I mean, one yeah. of the things that I do is at the end of every working day, I make a list for the next day. So when I come in the next morning, I sit down at my desk. I've already got my list there of the things that I need to focus on in that day. I'm so and glad I there's make... somebody else that does that too. Thank goodness. Sometimes I feel I'm a little <laughs> neurotic about my list. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> and I, I tend to, I don't differentiate between 
work things I need to do mm-hmm. and things for the, for the family or any any other part of my life. It's all stuff that I've got to do. It's it's all things that are going to take up my time and my energy. So it all goes on the same list. And I find that helps with not feeling like I'm getting pulled in all kinds of different directions at once. Um, and I do like to put quite easy things on on the list so I can have that satisfaction of, of, of ticking yes. things off. Mm-hmm. But for, I mean, you know, for some people, lists can become a, a you know a stick to beat themselves with. It, it it can become kind of too much. If there's something that's consistently on your list for days and days or weeks and weeks, and you're not getting to it and it's not happening, I think you've got to then ask yourself. What is going on there? What what am I avoiding there? Does this thing even need to be done? Because if you haven't done it for days or weeks, however long it is, and the world hasn't ended, maybe that's not a thing that that you need right, to do. You know, right. it, it may, maybe you can just kind of um, chuck it out, out the door anyway. I tell you one thing I think is quite useful to do sometimes, Karen, is it's what I call a to don't list. Okay, so we know oh. our to do list is the things we're going to do. Maybe think about what are the things that you don't want to do? What what are the, the changes that you're going to make? This is a, like a boundary setting exercise, basically. What, what are the things that I'm not not going to do from here on in, which can be, you know, something something different for, for every everybody? Um, ironing and burpees are the two things on my to-do list. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I've retired I like from those. those things. I like no that. More, no more. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, so that can be something to to play with. I, I don't think there's there's not a one size fits all solution to sorting your life out. Some people absolutely thrive on lists. I, I must say I do like um, a pen and paper list because I like to rip up that piece of paper, oh, yes. and screw it up in a tiny ball, yes. throw it in the bin. I'm it's so same. satisfying. I, I mean, I, I could, I do have lists on, on my phone, but it's like, what, I'm going to delete it. It's, I agree with that? you. That's not fun. There's no, yeah, make, no. Making things fun is, is a really important value yes. to me. Um, so, so that's what works for me. And if lists aren't working for you, then just try something different. There's no rule that says you, you have to mm-hmm, do lists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for some people, it stresses them out. I, I love it. It feels like... I don't have to have those thoughts. Did I forget something? What else am I missing? Everything's written down. And I do love, I put a little box next to each one and I love the crossing it out, but um, I also color code it. <laughs> so anything related to personal and home, it's it's yellow. Anything related to work, it's green. It's just, yeah. And then I can look at the end of the day and go, okay, how did I spend most of my time today? So yeah, interesting. So what do you think is the number one thing people, besides waking up and and not looking at our phone, what is one of the number one things to gain that calm that you think people really need to bring into their life? I mean, it's it's amazing how much of this does go back to our phones. And for so many of us, our phones are, are a source of so much stress. Yes. I tell you one thing I, I think is really useful to do is to go through your app notifications on your phone and, and turn them off. So, so the notifications are when, mm-hmm. you know, when it pops up on your phone that, you've got a WhatsApp message come in or your cousins put a picture up on Facebook. All of that stuff yes, is yes. about your phone gathering your attention. It's yes. calling for your attention. And of course, what do we do? Then we give into it. We pick it mm-hmm. up and we never just look at that one thing that the notification was for, do we? We then start 
scrolling all, all kinds of other nonsense. So if you, let's say you turn off WhatsApp notifications, you've still got WhatsApp. You can still go and check when you've got messages. Yes, yes. But you choose when you check rather than your phone choosing when it wants you to look. Because the reason your phone wants you to look is to get your eyeballs looking at adverts. That's, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm, really what mm-hmm. that's about. It's not about your greater well-being and it's not about helping you live your life and, and be more informed. Now, for some people in their working life, they will have to be more in contact with things like WhatsApp. But I bet there's lots of things that you're getting notifications for that you just don't need. Yeah, absolutely. You just don't need. Yeah, I turn all my notifications off. I figure, well, for me too, when they go off, I've noticed a level of stress hits me. Like I notice that cortisol rush that hits and I'm like, why aren't I excited about what it's going to tell me? I never am. I, I Even when the phone rings, it usually causes a little bit of anxiety for me. It just does. I don't know. But um, yeah, turning those off, that's a great idea. Plus then you get to decide when the timing is right, not your phone deciding right now you need to look at WhatsApp you know, may not even be important. Yeah, that's very, very true. Definitely. Exactly. I, th- I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's that thing of taking back a bit more control of, of your life. Um, and I find it's amazing when the phone's in another room. Like, I, Do you ever get this? You're reading a book and you're reminded of something. You think, oh, I'll just go and look that thing up. Yes. And then you're, <laughs> and then you just, you, you, you can't get reading a book, can yeah, you? Yeah, you've um, left it. Yep, yep. So, yeah, so I, I do a lot of, phone in another room um, or on, under a cushion or, you know, not somewhere where it's within my eyeline. And mm-hmm. I just find that's really helpful, um, you know, n- not to be scared to be away from your phone for for a period of time. I mean, sometimes I mention this to people and they look appalled, just the, the notion of having their phone away from where they could not reach out and, and you know, pick it up with their hand. They're just... Mm-hmm really really distressed right but I mean honestly it it just it it is it is the so it probably takes away from you more more than it gives you that's very true again I bet I, I don't know about everybody but I keep hearing this from a lot of people and I've done it myself too when you accidentally leave the phone at home everybody's anxious it's like you can't function and it's it causes so much distress and it's it's so silly because when you think back my god we were never this you know, reachable ever in our lives. Well, it's, I mean, yeah. it's terrible if you when you've got children. Um, now that you can be in touch with them all the time, if if they ever kind of disappear for you know a nanosecond, right, right, then, then, then we're just kind of more and more terrified. Now, I, I, I think you know becoming more in control of your phone is quite an important thing. The other thing that I think is is quite important is mindfulness, um, but bringing mindfulness to your daily life. And I think sometimes people are a little bit scared of, of the word mindfulness because they think, oh, it's meditation. I'm just going to have to sit and st- stare at the ceiling for, for an hour. All mindfulness is, is about being in the moment, mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. moment. So you could be drinking a cup of coffee mindfully just by sitting and doing that and not thinking about anything else. So not scrolling on your phone at the same time, not Think, not not doing nothing other than enjoying your coffee, enjoying the taste, the smell, the sight, just that one thing. So that's something I think is quite easy to bring into your life because all you have to do is do whatever you were going to do. Right. But do it mindfully. Yeah. Be present while you're doing be it. Be present. Yes. Yeah. It's, okay. all, it's all about being present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And do you think that 
on its own brings the calm? Do you think just being present? Because I can see myself doing that. And when I do, I know I get that. I'm not sure why. But yeah, when I'm just focusing on just that, there is a sense of calm that comes to you. Absolutely. It does. I mean, there have been studies into this that, that have shown how it can lower your levels of cortisol. Um, you know, it can lower blood pressure, mm. lots of things like that. But the important thing is you've got to do it and do it repeatedly. Doing it once is not going to kind of make you calm for the whole rest of the week. I mean, one, one of the things I like to do is um, just mindful walking, which is just walking, but not listening to any music or podcast mm-hmm, mm-hmm. literally thinking about what what my feet can feel on the ground what I can hear sort of tuning into each of your senses t- tuning each of your senses yes. up a little bit more you know what, what can you feel can you feel the air in your face look up and around you see what you can see just being very much in the moment and if, if you're the kind of person who goes for a walk most days there's an easy place to add a wee bit of mindfulness into your day absolutely what are your recommendations for people for evening so we kind of tackled morning which i think is huge i think you're right people wake up with that so i have sort of two questions one is the evenings and then what about what happens sunday evenings it seems like you know it's gotten its own name the sunday scaries why and what to do about it. I used to have that tremendously. I don't anymore, but goodness, for years, I was totally depressed on Sundays and anxious. So go ahead. Tell us about evenings and Sunday scaries. I, I like this. I'm kind of interested in that phrase, Sunday scaries. I've yeah, that's that what before. we really, oh yeah. In America, that's what we call it. In the US, <laughs> and that's what we call it. <laughs> Sunday I scaries. I have to say, if if you are repeatedly feeling anxious on a Sunday night, I would really be asking yourself, what is going on Mm -hmm. on Monday morning to, you Mm -hmm. know, make that happen? If you hate your job that much, something's got to change. That kind of says to me, that's the kind of a reason why people end up coming to talk to a career coach like me. So on on a bigger plane, I, I think that's a big signal that whatever you're doing come Monday morning, is not the right thing for you. If you cannot look ahead and see some fun, some enjoyment, mm-hmm. something that you're looking forward to, something that you're grateful for, you know, yeah. being grateful is, is such a wonderful um, mood changer. It's so good for your well-being to have a kind of regular gratitude practice. So I would really be seriously looking at what is going on on Monday to make you feel like that. But I mean, evenings in general, they're important because it's your rundown into sleep. And of course, mm-hmm. sleep is so, so important for mm-hmm. our whole, our bodies, our minds. You know, this is where, where um, the body looks looks after itself, isn't it? But also um, just to prepare for the, the day ahead, the next day to come. So things like, I mean, I, the more you can um, simplify your evenings, the better. I know there have been a lot of studies that if you can... Um, Leave a leave a gap. Don't have your evening meal too late. Try try and um, mm-hmm. give your body a rest from the work of digestion. Of eating, yeah. So um, yeah. So j- just um, leaving it. I, th- I think that there's um, there's a system called three two one, um, which is supposed to aid sleep. Which is leave three hours um, before bedtime. Where, um, when you, when you don't eat, basically three hours before you go to bed. Um, don't have a drink two hours before you go to bed. So that has a 
chance mm-hmm. to work through your body and don't look at screens one hour before you go to oh bed. Oh my God, so I'm look. failing on all three <laughs> levels. Let's just really, oh my, I'm like, okay, I didn't get that one. Let's see what her next one is. Didn't get that one. <laughs> failing miserably. That's very, and I do struggle with sleep, which I think is such a big thing. Most mm. A lot of people do. So those are those are good points. I, I think also when you mentioned the Sunday, when we discussed the Sunday scaries, I think part of it has to, I know for me, it used to be also that um, it's sort of that dread. It's not so much dreading the job. I love, I've always loved what I do, but it's dreading the, like what's going to come up that day. You know, mm. when you've been distant from it for two days, it's that feeling of that just concern and anticipation that you're not going to hit the ground running. You're going to hit the ground and be sideswiped by all the stuff that you didn't anticipate. Um, which so I think the lists help. Yeah. Yes. And I think the lists yeah. help. I always do my Sunday list because then I just know, nope, that's what my Monday is going to be like. And I don't ever have that anxiety anymore. But I think a lot of people do because they don't know what they're going to be hit with. It's like, you've been gone. And so now what? Yeah. But do you, don't you think that um, there's an element there of not trusting yourself that that um, that you won't be able to deal with whatever you're hit with? Absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm wondering there about um, whether there there's an attitude change to to make, um, and I'm wondering what would it take for you to be excited about whatever Monday has in store? If you're yeah, going I from fearful, so. what, what would it take you to be excited? Because fear and excitement are pretty close to each other. Absolutely. I think for, for me, it was just experience. So, you know, it was early on in my career as an architect that I used to feel that I used to be like, Oh my God, what's going to hit Monday morning. Contractors going to have this problem and that the client didn't want to call me on weekend, but here they go Monday morning and they've got, you know, just that anticipation of what is going to, you know, bombard me that day. And I think over time it was like, that's no big deal. I've done it a million times and we handle it as we go. But I think for a lot of people, it's that, or they're concerned, like when they get to work, is their boss going to be happy with them? Did something happen over the weekend? And it's, you know, um, but I think you're right. It it comes from fear Mm. and not feeling well equipped to handle it. Yeah. So really the, the aim is then to move towards a place where you trust yourself more that whatever life does present you with, that you can handle it. I mm-hmm. mean, sometimes a, a good approach to that sort of thing can be to really think your way through what's the worst case scenario? What's the yes. worst thing that might be there come Monday morning? Because first of all, life never, ever turns out exactly how we imagine it. So the fact that you can picture in your mind a particular scenario, I think that that's the best indicator you're going to get that actually that's not going to happen. What will happen be something else. But if you can right. think of whatever is your worst case scenario, and then think of a plan to deal with that, then you've almost, you know, you're giving yourself that security that you can deal with the worst thing. And so whatever actually happens, is not going to be as bad as the worst thing. And so right. you'll be able to deal with it because you've already, you know, you've, you've got your plan. And also, right. I, I think for all of us, when we look back over our lives and think about some of the worst things that have happened, um, probably all things that if we'd known about them in advance, we never would have thought we'd been able to deal with. You know, we've, we've all been through our stuff, haven't we? Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With, you, when, you know, when you think about, well, if I could deal with that stuff, 
you know, whatever comes tomorrow, whatever this client is turning up with, it's going to be a, a pain in the ass. That's nothing like what I've already <laughs> right. dealt with. You know, right. if you, if you think about your, your story as a whole and the person that you are and the challenges that you have met and dealt with and moved on from successfully, there's not going to be anything worse than that. Yeah, that's great advice. Monday morning true, really is right? there. Right. And I think you're right that it is good to think it through to the worst possible scenario, because I think typically what adds to the fear is you're like, I, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. And when mm. you do that, it's like this, it grows in, you know, in worry um, and size. And so you think, whereas if you just stop and force yourself to think of it all the way through, I think you're right. It does help you realize it, the fear is what's big. It's not necessarily the actual event that will happen. It's just this fear that's growing. Uh, and then if you if you let if you let that go, then I suppose getting back to my book about fear of driving, you're then letting the fear control your behavior and the fear control your life. And when we let fear control our lives, our lives only become smaller. Wow, and that's, that's not what I'd wish for you or, or right. anybody else. That's very true. Very true. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I love these uh the conversation we've had and I love these tips. Um I'm hoping that, you know, people will start to do some of these. I think we need it so badly just as a society, especially the calm. I think we're, you know, it's sort of like we we love all the social media, but we hate it. We love all the technology, but it it brings with it a lot of a lot of issues for us. I think just as human beings, we weren't meant to be this, you know, distracted and so much stimulus. It's it's overwhelming. I think you're right. Your book is is definitely needed right now to bring that sense of calm. Um, how do you, do you ever give advice? Would you say for kids? Like I'm seeing, I see a lot of young young kids already finding that anxiety just because of the overload and the overwhelm. Um, any advice to help a child not? Because I see that all the time. It's like instantly they're overwhelmed and and. Because, you know, they're just being hit with too much stimulus. It's tough. It's funny. I was thinking about this today. I don't work with kids myself. Mm -hmm. I only mm -hmm. work with um, adults. adults. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was thinking today about when I was a kid, you were very often bored. I don't think kids today are ever bored. There's always yep. Yep. something. Yes. Um, I, I think if if you if you are the parent of, of a child and you see that they are getting overstimulated or perhaps having an mm -hmm. anxiety or, or whatever. I do think there's no substitute for just physical movement. Take yes. your child out for, for a walk. I've, I've found with, with my kids is that they like you, when you want to get them to open up and, and talk to you, they really open up at times when you're not actually having eye to eye yes. contact. Yep. So when you're next to each other, walking together, or even drive, thank goodness I can drive now, driving together. <laughs> right. I've had some of the best conversations with, with my kids so true. in that situation where there's kind of, there's less pressure on them when you're face to face. My, my son does not like going out for walks with me. So what I find is we go out for a walk. I don't get much out of him on the way back, on the way out, but on the way back, it's like he's relieved that, oh, I, I can go home. <laughs> and suddenly he starts talking to me. Yes. Um, so it's it's just, um, it's important, I think, to open up those spaces and just listen. Mm -hmm. you know, it's mm -hmm. more important that I think that we as parents meet our children where they are, 
try to understand the world that they're living in. Don't get wound up on the fact that their world is so different to the world that we right. grew up in. Right. It just is. It is. You know, it, on it, every it level. Just, it just is. It, it has gone. That whole yeah. world, that old world has gone. And I think it's up to us now to try and understand where they're at, understand the things that they're enthusiastic about, the, the media that they like, that they're mm-hmm. consuming. What, what are they interested in? Who are they talking with, without prying too much and trying to micromanage their life, but just looking for places where maybe you can find common ground. Maybe there'll be a thing that you naturally like to mm-hmm, do together mm-hmm, or, yeah. you know, or, or w- whatever it might be. But um, I don't think there's any point in us as parents trying to, trying to go back or, or um, right. you know, criticize the world that our kids are in they're trying to manage it as best they exactly. can and nobody's really got the tools to do that we're all learning as we go along um, that's very true but we do the best we can don't we yeah I think so and I think if anything I've, I've just started to realize I think maybe the one skill that we don't typically kind of give them or help them nurture but probably should given all of this you know distraction is just to be okay with silence I think that they are not anymore. And I, and I, it, I mean, it's, it's not their fault. That's just what's happening. But even as adults, you know, we dread that a lot of people dread being alone because of the silence, because they're not distracted. So then all the thoughts that they don't want to think about that weigh heavily and cause them anxiety start to come in. But I think that's a skill we all need to be because you can't hear your intuition till you are sitting in that silence usually. And I think somehow I think it's important to, yeah, to give that skill, to continue to give that skill to our kids somehow. And maybe it's that you introduce something else to do like, you know, reading or like um, going for the walk without the headphones on, you know, like painting, drawing, something where the silence, they actually find some benefit or some joy in that silence. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think uh, you're absolutely right. I think it's about not making it about the silence. You know that the silence mm-hmm. is an added bonus. Yes. But really the focus is on painting, drawing, yes. doing a jigsaw, craft. I mean, crafts are yes, incredibly all popular. Of those. That's mm-hmm. probably probably a big part of why. It's 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 a mindful thing that, that they can do without calling it mindfulness. Oh, that's very true. Yeah, that's a great idea. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because if you just said we're going to now sit in silence, I, I think they'd run. <laughs> See you, Mom. Not happen. <laughs> no. Well, it has been such a pleasure to have you on here. So I want to remind everyone about the podcast. So how often do you have the podcast come out? The one that's got five minutes to change your life. Where can they find it? And how often do you um, have a new one out? So five minutes to change your life is unusual in the podcasting world in that it's only five minutes ish long. And the idea is that each episode has something that will help people to move their life in a more positive direction. What I've been doing recently, actually, with it is I've been doing um, a series that I've called the A to Z of how to lift yourself. So each episode has is, is got, uh, you know, it started off A is for adventure and it's, mm-hmm. it's it's just got lots of different things that I hope will help to empower people to, to lift themselves. Um, so it, it varies between two and three episodes a week, depending on, on mm-hmm. what I get done. But if you go back into the archive now, there's over 200 episodes wow. with just, you know, all, all kinds of well-being related topics. So if somebody's looking for 
um, you know, how to become more confident or how to deal with fear, how to raise your self-esteem. There's episodes for all of that. So wherever you get your podcasts, I guess, um, you'll find five minutes to change your life. Perfect. Perfect. And the books they can find on Amazon, it sounds like, right? Yes, wherever you get your books, okay. um, you, you should be able to find these. Uh, please support your local independent bookstore because yes. even if they don't have it, they should be able to, um, to get, get it, it for in. You. Libraries have often got them as well. Oh, that's great. Yeah, the bookstores seem to be vanishing. I mean, there's not even one really close to us here. Yeah, in, we're in Fountain Hills, small little community in Arizona, but still uh, hard to find a bookstore to like wander through and browse. So wonderful. And then if people want to reach out to you personally, is it best through an email or or social media? What would you recommend to them? Just come and come and find I'm everywhere. If you look up my name, Joanne Mallon, J-O-A-N-N-E-M-A-L-L-O-N, there's joannemallon.com is my website. And I'm also um, under Joanne Mallon on Instagram and Perfect. Twitter or whatever Twitter is called. I know. These days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a letter of the alphabet now, isn't it? I think. Um, anyway, thank you so much, Joanne. This has been a pleasure and such good insight. I'm definitely going to be listening to your podcast and we may have you back to kind of go over some of the issues that some of our listeners are going to bring up after this. So thank you so much for being here. Great to talk to you, Karen. Thank you very much. 